Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> A special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. BSN Nuggets podcast, as always, is presented by Total Beverage. Right now, Total Beverage has an exclusive deal for BSN listeners. You guys can get $10 off a $50 purchase or more on their website and app by using the promo code BSN10. So again, if you guys use the promo code BSN10, you can save $10 off a $50 order or more from the Total Beverage website or app. You can also have it delivered right to your door because Total Beverage now delivers to anywhere in the North Metro area, all the way from Wheat Ridge to Erie. And with that, welcome into the BSN Nuggets podcast. Thursday edition of the show, Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. Christian, the Nuggets victorious over the Wizards tonight, 113-108. A nice win, a nice road win from Denver. They push forward to their goal of 22 wins away from Pep Center this year. Uh, They're now up to 18 road victories. I had a big epiphany during this game tonight, a big realization that I haven't had at any point this season. You're in love with Thomas Sadoransky? Oh, well that, but also Jabari Parker is on the wizards. <laughs> it's my big epiphany from tonight's game. I had no idea, but there he was coming off, uh, the wizards bench tonight. Did you know he was on the wizards and, uh, how foolish did I just make myself look saying that? Well, I kind of forgot he was on the wizards too. I okay, mean, good. I saw that the bulls trade go down, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a reminder. I was like, Oh Yeah. Jabari Parker, what's up, man? Well, he's on his, what, third NBA team now? From the Bucks to the Bulls to the Wizards. He'll probably be on his fourth next year. I mean, he didn't really do anything tonight to make me think he's going to be too big of a priority for the Wizards to bring back next season. And just think how much of a juggernaut the Bucks are, and they whiffed at a number two pick. Right. 
That's hard to do. Yeah. Certainly as it's like the Nuggets kind of whiffing on Emmanuel Moutier, but still having the best young core in the league. Well, third best young core according to Yahoo Sports. We don't have to go there. <laughs> like I said, the Nuggets get the win 113-108 over the Wizards tonight. My biggest takeaway from this game, Nuggets bench is back. They had been arguably the best bench in the league for most of the season. They inserted Isaiah Thomas into this thing, stumbled a lot. They're back playing at the level they were before inserting Isaiah Thomas over these last couple of games. I mean, everywhere you look from the bench tonight, they were solid. Mason Plumley, Torrey Craig, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley. I mean, are they playing at the level right now, speaking about the Nuggets' second unit, that they were over the first two, three months of the season? Well, here's what I think. The, the Nuggets, we all year we've been asking, like, this team has been so good. I wonder what they look like at their best because mm-hmm. they've been banged up so much all year. I think the Nuggets will play their best basketball or, or could play their basketball with, with these nine guys in the rotation. I think this is the best combination of nine guys that Michael Malone can throw out there. I think going with eight guys for an extended stretch is just too few guys. I mean, guys are going to get winded, but... I could see Michael Malone, you know, mostly relying on these nine guys the rest of the way, and Denver really hitting its stride. Um, I mean, I just love the the different lineup combinations that you can throw out with these guys, and I think these are probably the best nine players on the roster that played tonight. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and they did it on a night where their starters didn't really bring it. Denver's bench carried them tonight, which it's easy to forget, but that was the case in a lot of games early on this season. You know, with Will Barton out of the lineup, with Gary Harris in and out of the lineup at times over the first couple months, the Nuggets bench kind of carried this team in a lot of games over the first few months of the season. They did that tonight. I mean, just look at the plus-minus numbers in the box score. Every bench player was at least a plus-15. Mason Plumley was a plus-15. So was Monte Morris. Torrey Craig was a plus-19. Malik Beasley a plus-21. Plus-minus numbers... I think they tell a part of the story, not the entire story. But in this case, I mean, those plus minus numbers were directly reflective of how well the bench played tonight. Uh, Who stood out to you from that unit the most? Well, Monte Morris was really good. I mean, Mm -hmm. just a a classic Morris game, 11 points, four assists, one turnover. Malik Beasley uh, had some really nice moments there, Hit, hit a pair of threes, 10 points. But I think Denver's MVP of this game had to be Torrey Craig, right? I mean, Torrey Craig was a game changer in this one. Played some excellent defense on Brad Beal. Um, really contributed on the offensive end. 15 points. Hit three threes. Anytime Torrey Craig is out there hitting threes, then it's just going to be a good night for him. He was a, a plus 19 in 25 minutes. He really turned the tide of this game for Denver. Yeah, he was great defensively, specifically on Bradley Beal, like you mentioned. I've got Beal down for 19 points through quarters one through three, and I've got him down for six points in the fourth quarter. I believe four of those points came when Torrey Craig went to the bench, like with five minutes remaining or so. He probably scored those last four points on whoever was out there. Maybe that was Gary Harris. and I think he only had two points while Craig was on the court in the fourth quarter, and I believe it came on like a transition layup where Craig wasn't guarding him. So, I mean, he just locked Bradley Bill up in the fourth quarter. He was great defending him on ball, didn't really get him, let him get loose away from the ball. It was an outstanding performance defensively from Torrey Craig. I agree. He was probably player of the game. If you want to give a game ball to somebody, that's probably Torrey Craig uh, for this one. And 
look, this is two straight games from Torrey Craig where he's really stood out, I think. Against Boston, he goes for 13 points, eight rebounds in 21 minutes. Was big for Denver in that game. And then uh, another nice night for him here, 15 points and uh, four assists. And it finally seems like Torrey Craig is playing in the right role. Yeah. Like in, in the early part of the season, because of injuries, it wasn't necessarily Michael Bowen's fault. It felt like there was a little bit too much Torrey Craig. Like, mm-hmm. you don't want him in there for 35 minutes a night or, or whatever it was. I mean, he was starting a lot of the games at the beginning of the season just because of injury. And then he sort of fell out of the rotation. Torrey Craig is Denver's ninth man, and that feels almost perfect. It's almost where we – actually, no, we didn't start the season there. Because I'm trying to remember back to the beginning of the season. We were kind of talking about that trio of guys being Torrey Craig, Malik Beasley, Wancho, and Aaron Gomez. Am I correct? I mean, it was so long ago, I can hardly remember. Yeah, that was the order. We were talking about those three, and it always seemed like leading into the season, it was Torrey, Malik, Wancho. Well, I mean, obviously things have shifted. Malik has become an integral part of this team. He's going to be playing 20 to 25 minutes every night. But yeah, Torrey Craig has really become a fixture in this thing. And I agree with you. He's for sure the Nuggets ninth man. It's funny. Philly has something going on called... I think Brett Brown called it a quiet competition to be their ninth man. I don't know if you heard that Brett Brown phrasing, not mine, but Denver was having any sort of competition for its ninth man. I think it's over. I think it's Torrey Craig from here on out playing those 15 to 20 minutes. And on nights like tonight, it can be 25 minutes. Well, we've discussed my coffee table book of Will Barton's Instagram posts. Mm -hmm. I want to create another coffee table book that's just Brett Brown's irregular basketball phrases. Right. Brett Brown could have a podcast where he's reading off his grocery list and I'd listen to it. (laughs) I was trying to think of the most boring thing he could just be like reciting. Yeah, I listened to his pod with Zach Lowe and I'm like, Brett Brown, it doesn't even matter what you're saying. I just love you, man. Yeah. The bench unit, I mean, they've been the story over these last couple of games, I think. In Boston, you could hand out the credit to a lot of guys, but it was definitely the bench unit in this one. Mason Plumley. it looked like they got great contributions from everybody up and down the roster, and Monte Morris continues to be consistent. Malik Beasley continues to be consistent. How big is it, do you think, just to have Monte Morris on the ball so much more over these last couple of games? That seems like, to me, maybe one of the biggest reasons why this bench unit looks like it did earlier this season. Yeah, uh, I mean, Monte Morris just makes everyone around him look a little bit better. He just understands how to get you the ball in your spots. I think, you know, Mason Plumlee has probably benefited about as much as anyone as Monte Morris getting this backup point guard spot. I mean, Mason Plumlee has got so many just easy, perfectly placed lobs right at the rim with Monte Morris in there that that didn't really happen with uh, Emmanuel Moody as backup point guard last year. And then you know, things got so bad that Will Barton had to kind of take over that role in a pinch. So, yeah, I mean, Monte is the glue that holds this bench unit together, I think. I mean, Malik Beasley, he, he's going to finish this season. It, it looks like the franchise leader in effective field goal percentage. I don't <laughs> think he would be quite that efficient if he wasn't in the backcourt with Monte. Well, I was going to say, maybe the most surprising aspect about that bench backcourt, Monte Morris and Malik Beasley, those guys have been shooting the ball really well from three throughout the entire season. They've never fallen off after their hot starts. I mean, they're both at around 42% right now. They were hot to begin the season. I think we all thought, you know, maybe they'd teeter off a little as things have gone on. Maybe they'd wind up in like the high 30s, but they're consistently staying at 42%, well above that 40% threshold this season. I don't know about you. I'm pretty surprised by that. 
Oh yeah, I mean it's it's one of the biggest surprises of the season to me. And Monte and and um, Malik are yeah. kind of neck and neck to to be the the team's leader in three point percentage. They entered this game right at forty two percent. And what I said earlier, I mean, I didn't mean to take anything at all away from Malik because Malik is a, a freaking walking bucket. I mean, <laughs> he might have the prettiest jump shot on the team, and, and this is a team just loaded with jump shooters. My favorite underrated aspect about Malik, and I've touched on this at times throughout the entire season, when he goes to the hole, he's trying to dunk it every time. He doesn't have any time to lay it up and you know risk getting that thing swatted into the 10th row. He's going up there to dunk it every time. I think it helps him out. I think it helps him out with how well he's finished around the rim this season. Yeah, I mean, he, he plays the game with kind of a reckless abandon, sort of, um, that yeah. you don't see from a lot of players on this roster, maybe maybe Torrey Craig, but I love that about him. I mean, I think this Nuggets team needs more athleticism and, and a little just be a little more ferocious at times, and Malik Beasley brings that. I'm curious to see the matchup data when it comes out on NBA.com later tonight or tomorrow morning, what Bradley Beal shot and how many points he scored with Torrey Craig as his closest defender because it couldn't have been much uh, here on Thursday night. Did you think they were going to close with Torrey Craig over Will Barton? Were you surprised when Michael Malone went back to Will Barton there late in this one? You really surprised. I mean, what did he put Will Barton in at the two-minute mark? It, it had to be the three, maybe the four-minute mark. It couldn't have been too much earlier than that. Because Craig got that steal. He poked it away from Bradley right. Beal um, with about two and a half minutes left. Jamal Murray laid it up. That put Denver ahead by six. And at that point, you're thinking, well, yeah, Torrey Craig's got to be close on this one because Will Barton, uh, this was a really rough game for him. He struggled, but then he hit that big three late. And that's kind of been the story of Will Barton a bit since he's been back from that injury. He's even admitted it himself. He's been wildly inconsistent for his standards, inconsistent with his shot, just inconsistent with his floor game in general. That's one of the things that is really tough to overcome when you come back from a significant injury like he did where he missed three months. He was inconsistent in this one, but but did hit that big three late. I was a little surprised as well. I thought Michael Malone might stick with Torrey Craig, but they got the win, 113-108 over the Wizards. A road win. In the NBA, it's a road one. You know, it doesn't matter who it comes against. Uh, like a lot of people in the Nuggets tell me uh, whenever I talk about road wins, there's no RPI in basketball. Uh, a win is a win is a win. Uh, so that's what Denver got here. Uh, they moved to 48-22, and 22, almost at that 50-win threshold. Let's hit a break real quick. A lot more to get to on tonight's show. We'll touch on why the Nuggets perhaps aren't turning the ball over as much as they were last year. I think there's a very specific reason why. And also, I thought it was significant how Michael Malone did not call a timeout when Washington went on a big run in that third quarter. But I don't think it was the worst thing uh, from Denver's coach. We'll explain why on the other side. We'll be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have 
have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented, of course, by Total Beverage. Talking about this latest Nuggets win, Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here, of course. Denver gets the victory, 113-108 over the Wizards tonight. Here's what I was watching during most of the first half. The Nuggets were sitting at one turnover for really most of the first two quarters. They had zero turnovers in the first quarter for the first time all season. That's the first time they have not turned the ball over uh, over the first 12 minutes of game all the first 12 minutes of a game all season. They only had two turnovers in the first half. It was tied for their season low on the year uh, for a half. And we were talking about this as the game was going on because we were watching the game together. I think there's one central reason or one big reason why their turnovers are so far down this year. And it has a lot to do with the backup point guard play, right? Yeah, I mean, Monte Morris is just a freaking machine. He had four assists and one turnover tonight, and that hurt his season average. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a pretty good night for a lot of point guards, and Monte's sitting at about six assists for every one turnover on the season. I mean, th- that's just a remarkable rate. I mean, when you have a guy who, who's that good of a passer um, and, and just takes that care of the ball, then, then everyone around him is going to look a little bit better. I mean, Monte's not like a... He doesn't try those crazy passes like Jokic. He's not that kind of passer. Right. He's just, I mean, they're a little more obvious passes, but but they're still really, really good, and, and they're always right on target, like right into the guy's shooting pocket, I feel like. Yeah, he's just a classic point guard, man. He is as good at fundamental basketball as any point guard in this league. Like, we talk about the Nuggets' inability to get the ball into the post a lot with a lot of guys on this roster. You know, Monte Morris never has a problem finding Nikola Jokic on the post. And you know, he's got great vision, great decision maker, not careless with the ball by any means. He usually makes the right play, and you know he can get buckets for himself too. He, he's, his great season continues. And I've said it a couple of times this season, but when you're looking for reasons why Denver is so much better this year compared to last, I mean, high up in that list has to be that Last year, they had one of the worst backup point guard situations in the NBA, and this year they have perhaps the best. Right. If you look at turnover percentage, uh, last year, the Nuggets backup point guard, Emmanuel Moutier, a 13.1 turnover percentage. This year, the upgrade to Monte Morris, 5.0 turnover percentage. I mean, that is a huge margin right there. That's a huge improvement with how inconsistent the Nuggets were at backup point guard last year, how you could just never really trust Emmanuel Moody to run that unit effectively. I mean, now you've got the equivalent of a security blanket there. I remember asking Mason Plumlee just about Monte's play this season and, and what that's done for the team compared to what the backup point guard play was like a season ago. And Mason almost laughed and he just goes unprompted. <laughs> yeah. Will Barton was playing backup point guard for us last year. Right. Will is not a point guard. He's a scorer. Right. Like Mason is like holding in laughter. And to his credit, I mean, Will gave the team 
pretty good backup point guard minutes last season. Obviously, he, he didn't play the position how backup point guards normally do. He, of course, looked to score, you know, get points for himself more than Amante Morris does this year, but he was still really effective in running that second unit, and he really kept Denver's bench afloat. But Mason's right. That's not Will Barton's position. He was pretty much pigeonholed into that role out of necessity last year. And a lot of guys on that second unit's play suffered, probably including Mason. So I, I, I'm i sure he's pretty glad that Monte Morris is running the show there. Yeah, Will Barton did his best in, in a tough spot. I mean, the job he did was really, really admirable. There are not a lot of guys who whose natural position is, you know, shooting guard or small forward who can slide over and do that. But you want Will Barton as a secondary playmaker. Yeah, and I think Monte's just value really sticks out on nights like tonight when, you know, the starters and and Jamal Murray, although Jamal had a a decent game, 15 points, he shot it pretty efficiently, 7 of 14 in 26 minutes. But that starting unit, really aside from the first couple minutes of the game, I thought, really didn't have much rhythm, really didn't have much flow. And if you just look at the quarter breakdown, Denver won the first quarter barely 33 to 30 starters played most of that quarter. Uh, Denver won the second quarter, 28 to 23. The bench played most of that quarter, a plus five there. And then the third, you know, Denver was a minus eight. The starters played most of that third quarter and the fourth, the bench really carried Denver and got them out to a, a decent advantage early in that period. Denver was a plus five in that quarter until Washington kind of closed late on Denver starters. So that kind of disparity represents how this game really flowed. Yeah, Denver starters, I thought, just didn't bring it at all on defense tonight. Um, and you can understand why there was sort of a letdown, why they might not have given you know close to 100% effort tonight. There, it, it's just natural after you have such an emotional win to, to clinch a playoff spot for the first time in six years. But yeah, the, the defense was pretty rough from them in this game. Jokic, I thought, played one of his better defensive games in a Nuggets uniform against the Celtics. And tonight... Thomas Bryant was kind of just doing whatever he wanted inside. I'd agree. He was great defensively in Boston, switching out on Jason Tatum, being a deterrent at the rim. He had a couple really nice blocks at the rim on Kyrie Irving in that game. Not really the same defensive focus from anybody on that starting unit tonight. We've seen this story unfold before. Denver, and specifically their defense, maybe plays up a bit to the competition with a Celtics team. Tonight, they're going against a Wizards team who's not bound for the playoffs. And I mean, this Washington roster, it's not overly impressive. I mean, they're starting guys like Bobby Portis, Troy Brown Jr., Thomas Bryant, Thomas Sadoransky, who I'll admit, I'm I'm a big fan of Thomas Sadoransky. He kind of cut the nuggets up tonight. But it's not like this roster can stack up to what Boston has. Well, I thought we agreed before this podcast that we'd never say a bad word about Bobby Portis because I'm not trying to ever catch that two-piece. So Bobby Portis, I think, is maybe the best player in the NBA. No, I'm just kidding. But you'll never hear me say a bad word about Bobby Portis. But anyways... Tom- I'll say a bad word about Bobby Portis. He isn't all that. Oh, man. All right. Well, I'm not saying anything. Thomas Bryant, 22 points, 9 of 11 shooting. You know, the Nuggets do kind of struggle with those undersized centers who are really athletic and just a ball of energy. Like Julius Randle has tore up the Nuggets uh, past couple seasons. Montrezl Harrell has had some really good games with them. Montrez Harrell? I think it's a silent L on the end, man. Uh, I'm struggling too. <laughs> but there seems to be kind of a type that, uh, that Denver struggles with sometimes. Thomas Bryant went 9 of 11 from the field. Eight of his shots were within five feet. 
you know, looking at his shot chart, he had uh, a jumper from the foul line. I don't remember that, but apparently he had one. His other eight field goals came from within five feet. So uh, he really had his way there. But a real cast of characters on this Wizards team, though. Like we mentioned, Jabari Parker, news to me that he was on the Wizards. Wes Johnson is on this team. Jason Randall. Sam Decker's flirting on this team's bench. A real cast of characters uh, for the Wizards. But overall, I mean, like we were saying, a great performance from the bench and the turnovers. They've been down this entire season. The Nuggets finished with just eight tonight. One of those came on a um, offensive foul from from Mason Plumlee. So a nice night taking care of the ball from the Nuggets and definitely helped them out in this one. Let's hit another break real quick. I want to come back and talk about a decision Michael Malone made in the third quarter to let his team play through a really big-time Wizards run. We'll talk about that on the, on the other side. We'll be right back. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Total Beverage. Harrison Wind and Christian Clark here wrapping up on a Thursday. A big moment in this game came in the third quarter. The Wizards got hot. Uh, They got really hot from the field. It's when Bradley Beal did a lot of his damage. Um... Probably Thomas Bryant had a few buckets in there. Washington went on a 32-11 to run in the third. Michael Malone doesn't call a timeout. We've seen time and time again this season, it's been routine for whenever Denver gives up, even like a 6-0 run, quick timeout for Michael Malone, stop the momentum. We did not see that. How surprising was that to you? Well, really surprising. I mean, I can't ever remember a time these past three seasons when a team would rip off a run like that. Mm-hmm. What was it? Twenty-six to five, and and Michael Malone, you know, doesn't try to to halt the momentum by calling a timeout. I mean, one of the things that the fan base loved to to kind of rag on Malone in the past was that he loved to use those timeouts, and sometimes he didn't even have timeouts, you know, at the end of the game when it was close because he liked to use them so much. So, I, I was very surprised by it, and I kind of liked this move too. Um, Malone said afterwards that. You know, his team is just going to have to realize that, you know, come postseason, every possession matters. You you can't just take two or three minutes off like Denver kind of did there in the third quarter. And I also thought it, it represented trust, too. Um, you know, I, I think Michael Malone in the past would not have done that with this team, but... No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Maybe he 
wouldn't have done that in the past with this team. But I do think there's a sense of trust right now that wasn't there earlier this season. But it also was about just making his team battle back from this and not bailing them out in a sense with a timeout. Denver had lost all their momentum right there. And I'm going to give Scott Hastings credit for this because he's been on this really for the last couple of years with this team. But when the Nugget shots are falling, that's when they really dig in on defense. Their offense really accelerates their defense. When they're hitting shots, they're up into their men on defense. When they're not hitting shots, they hang their heads. They don't give out that effort that they know they can, that A-level effort on the defensive end of the floor that we've seen this team play time and time again this season. And their shots weren't falling in that third. And sure enough, they hung their heads on defense. They weren't on point. They weren't disciplined. They weren't making that extra effort on that end of the floor. And their play suffered. So that's what happened during that run. But I agree with you. I think it was a good move from Malone making his team just battle through this. Yeah, and during that run that, that Washington kind of seized control of this game, I was kind of I was watching Jokic's body language and it was not good out there. I'm guess I'm going to do the the Bill Simmons body language doctor right now, but go at it. Jokic was kind of it seemed like he was lollygagging to me and a, a lot of eye rolls and well, Jokic doesn't exactly hide his body language. You know, it's pretty apparent yeah, he's when a pretty he's expressive in the zone guy. and a pretty apparent when he's trying to make a statement of some sort. Yeah, I, I just liked Malone saying, figure it out in that moment. I mean, I thought it was a good move. I, I really liked that from Malone, actually. And something he said post game, which I thought was notable, there are going to be times in the playoffs when Denver gives up a run like that, most likely. And he'll probably bail his team out with a timeout in the playoffs, but Denver's going to have to figure out how to fight through stretches like that when their shots aren't falling, and they're still going to have to find a way to dig in on the defensive end of the floor. So, I feel like he's done a couple things to ready his team for the playoff run. He's trimmed down this rotation to eight and a half, nine guys, which is going to be the playoff rotation. It's really tough to play more guys than that in a playoff setting. And he's also shown his team like, hey, we're going to have to battle through some adversity here. And maybe a road game in Washington was the best place to try to do something like that. Yeah. I mean, this was a game that if you dropped, it would have been disappointing, but it's not detrimental. So this is exactly. a game that Malone could have tried something like this. Exactly. It was funny, though. It did seem after every basket the Wizards made you know, towards the end of that run, a lot of guys were looking over to the bench. Is he going to call a timeout? Why isn't he calling a timeout? They were almost expecting him to burn a timeout there late in that run. I thought that was pretty interesting. Just that goes to show that that's been the strategy all season. When teams have ripped off runs like that, boom, timeout to stop the momentum. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to rag on Denver too much because they have, you know, the best or second best record in the NBA in close games. Like, they've pulled a lot of them out late, but it seems like when Denver has a chance, like, a lot of times in third quarters, it seems like they have their foot on the opponent's throat and, like, they've got it to 13 or 14 or 15 and they they got the momentum and it seems like they can get it to 20 mm-hmm. and just put the game out of reach. And then they make a couple bad plays and let the other team right back into it again. I wish Denver had a little more of that killer instinct earlier in games, maybe. Yeah, I think it's just a sign of a young team. Veteran teams have a rep and usually know how to put teams away. Sometimes younger teams struggle with that, and this team doesn't really have any playoff experience, and that run came against the starting group to start, at least, and that group has zero playoff experience outside of Paul Millsap. Group of five, for however good they've been this year, you know, they don't know what it's like to play in the playoffs, and you know, they haven't had a ton of those runs come against them this season. 
Yeah, and it, it's also the NBA. It, it's really freaking hard to maintain <laughs> double-digit leads the whole game. And it's a long season, and you're going to have those down spells like Denver had in that third quarter against Washington tonight on the road against some Eastern Conference team that you haven't really played a lot this season. But with that win, the Nuggets move four games clear of the Rockets. They're now tied with the Warriors for the top spot in the Western Conference. The Warriors play the Pacers this evening at home. I don't think they'll drop that game, but they haven't tipped off as we're recording this. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, Nuggets could be in first if the Warriors drop this game here later Thursday evening. But the bigger takeaway from that is there are four games clear of Houston, four games with 12 left. That's a big margin. I'm not sure Houston can overcome that, even with how tough Denver's schedule is down the stretch. Yeah, they're in the driver's seat for a, a top two seed. And, you know, you want to, I mean, assuming you win in the first round, that's that's a that's a big if. But, you know, if you're able to get a top two seed against one of these teams, have home court advantage in the second round where you've been so good, that'd be great for Denver. And my tune kind of changed on that from Wednesday's show because I wasn't expecting Houston to drop that game in Memphis the other night. That was one that all the playoff probability models probably had going Houston's way. So uh, that probably swung things in Denver holding on to that two seed. And yeah, the one seed is right there for the taking. I mean, I've said time and time again, I don't think the Warriors really care about getting that one seed. Denver wants the top spot. So uh, we'll see how that really goes. This game Friday, a back-to-back against the Knicks. The Nuggets have three back-to-backs remaining after this current back-to-back that they're on. So a tough schedule down the stretch. But I don't know, is this a game where you might rest uh, Nikola Jokic Friday against the Knicks if you're going to rest him at all? Ooh, I don't think so. Um, I I would be really surprised. I'd be really surprised if Malone rested Jokic until Denver has its postseason spot clinched. But you look at the standings, uh, four teams are, are 42 and 30 right now, those teams in fifth through eighth. So Denver's uh, basically up seven games on uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, who are in fifth by way of tiebreaker. So seven-game cushion to uh, to get home court advantage in the first round. I mean, it's it's pretty much a, a given, and barring like a huge collapse. Yeah, it's pretty much locked in at this point. So Denver will get the first two games of their first-round playoff series at Pepsi Center. Pretty good stuff. All right, well, I think that's all we got for tonight. Hey, if you guys got questions for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394 is the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. If you've never called before, all it is is an answering machine, so leave your name, leave where you're calling from, leave a message for the show. The Nuggets are in New York Friday on that back-to-back. We'll see if they can get the win there. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, BSN Denver listeners, we're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door.